Welcome to the Vacation Inspiration Podcast. I'm Paula, your host and owner of Black Dog Luxury Travel, where we design custom vacations for the discerning traveler. If your vacation plans are in need of some serious inspiration, you're in the right place, and I am so glad you're here. Hi there, everyone. I know that Africa is on the list for a lot of people to go and visit someday. Well, today we are going to be talking with Mr. Mike Barndell, who is the managing founder of Crafted Africa. And what he does in Africa with his team is, well, quite frankly, it's amazing. They design a lot of custom trips for people, which includes a wide, 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 wide variety of things. So we're going to talk about that today. And hopefully this will inspire you to maybe move someday up a little bit further on your list. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi. <laughs> Mike is joining us. He is with Crafted Africa, and he is going to talk about, well, a little bit about Africa and what he does over there. What do you do every day, Mike? This is the burning question. Well, I mean, now that COVID's recovered, I have to do a little bit more than drinking wine. You know, so we actually do have clients and inquiries coming in again, and actually it's been the most insane inquiry period we've ever had january is the biggest month on record and everyone just seems to want to travel it's all been bottled up for the last four years and everyone seems to want to fit in this year so it's obviously an exciting problem to have and having to do a bit of work again right i know it's, it's funny to to go into that transition so i know you primarily focus on malawi and kind of the surrounding countries can you tell us a little bit like where that is Cool. So malawi is in, in southern africa it's about a it's perfectly probably halfway between johannesburg in South Africa and Nairobi and Kenya. That's probably the best way to describe it. It's a two-hour flight to either destinations. We are perfectly sandwiched in between Mozambique on our east. Mozambique is, I think, one of the most beautiful beach destinations in the world. I've done Jamaica. I've done Bahamas. I've done Mauritius. I've done Australia. I've done Philippines. I've done Thailand. I've been, you know, I've been very fortunate to travel to these amazing places. And I think if you're looking for the most wild or unspoiled destination good value for money Mozambique really is that and you know so we have Mozambique on on the on the east to us it's it's only an hour flight from from Malawi into Mozambique so it combines really really well with what Malawi offers and you know Malawi is you know more of a sort of diverse destination we've got 20 percent of the country is water Lake Malawi is the 11th biggest lake in the world it's the third deepest lake in the world you have over 800 species of tropical endemic cichlid fish in the lake that you don't get anywhere else in the world so it's, you know, it's crystal clear blue water. And if I had to show you a photo, you would, you would probably say that's got to be the Caribbean, right? And I mean, absolutely not. It's a freshwater lake in, in, lake, in Malawi. So you know, the great thing about Malawi is, you know, you have a lot of diversity. Down in the south, you have Malangi Mountain, which we like to call Malawi's answer to Kilimanjaro without the crowd. So if you, you're a hiker, you're a mountain girl, you, you enjoy your trekking, that, that's, you know, Malawi's rated one of the safest and friendliest countries in the world. So if you ever did have a, a worry that Africa is not safe, just Google ten, top 10 safest and friendliest countries in the world. And I'm pretty sure you're going to find Malawi in both those lists. You know, the wildlife is exceptional. There's been, there was some tough times with poaching and stuff, but over the last 20 years, African parks, who are a, um, basically at an NGO that focus on supporting wildlife, supporting communities, bringing wildlife back into the parks, training creating jobs, creating opportunities to, to make the parks a better place. And they've done an amazing job with the parks in Malawi. So the wildlife in Malawi really, really is on the... So you've got the mountains, the wildlife, the lake. And then to our west, you have Zambia. Zambia is just an incredible destination. I think one of the most 
highly rated or underrated safari destinations in Africa. You have the Victoria Falls, you know, the Smoke, the Thunders, you know, really, really one of the seven wonders of the world. But then you also have, you know, so many brilliant wildlife destinations there. And, you know, not they're not as expensive as other places. You do have levels of luxury. You, you know, it doesn't mean that they're, they're not great. You do have a lot, a lot of sort of luxurious lodges there at affordable prices. You've got a lot of great value stays, free nights, free flights, so exceptional value, and you don't have the crowds of what you may have in other countries. So you don't feel like you're, you know, you're stuck in a traffic jam in a safari, which you can unfortunately have in, in some places. Zambia is still very wild, authentic, off the beaten track, and it actually is where the walking safari was pioneered. So once again, if you're a trekker, you're a hiker, you like your activity, you want to go in a safari, but you don't want to be stuck in a vehicle for two weeks. It's a great destination to combine with, with as I say, with Malawi and, and with Mozambique. Have a bit of you know safari, a bit of lake, a bit of mountains, a bit of whales and dolphins, a bit of culture, a bit of history. Mozambique is a, a Portuguese colony, so you do still have a lot of the sort of flavors of Portugal. You go to Ilha Mozambique, which, believe it or not, Mozambique as a country was named after the island, not the other way around. And you still got a lot of sort of the flavors of, of Portugal there. And you go to the restaurants, and you really do feel you're in Portugal, not in sort of not in the Western world. So it's it's nice to have still have that sort of sort of taste and culture. And actually, one of the hotels we use a lot used to be the trading, the Arab trading center, obviously, and all the the, uh, the rooms are named after the spices. So yeah, I mean that's I think a summary of the three countries that we specialize in. You know, basically authentic, wild, off the beaten track, with comfortable level of luxury and affordable prices. I love that so much. I really do. So let's talk a little bit about. I know you mentioned some of the properties that that you guys work with because I know you work with a variety of them. What what is it like? you know, when you go there, because sometimes, you know, we hear about some of these safari camps and if someone is there, you know, they're thinking a critter is going to go grab them in the middle of the night. And so what is it like when you are in kind of, let's just say one of the camps, let's pick one of those, for example. Cool. I mean, I, I think it's important to mention that, you know, everything we do, we tailor make according to what the client wants. You know, we do have some clients that, that are very sort of, you know, budget conscious and, you know, they, 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 they this is their dream holiday and they've got a couple of thousand bucks to spend. And, you know, we really got to tailor make what, you know, what we can do with that. But, you know, there's some clients who want to be in luxury and some clients are going to want to be in a luxury safari tent. And some clients are going to be like, you know, I don't care how luxury that safari tent is. I can't sleep in a tent. I need to be in a sort of brick building. So a lot of the, the you know, a lot of tailor making the experience, you know, whether you want to go hiking in the land, you want to go diving in the lake, you want to go in a safari. And actually, we we actually set up a wine business in, in COVID just because tourism died for three years. So we had to find another hobby and another way of making it, making a living. So we do actually do a lot in Cape Town as well, which is, you know, Napa without the crowds, maybe Napa, half the price of Napa, maybe slightly more beautiful. I don't know. Those are probably some of the boxes you, you would tick if you were, you were thinking Napa versus Cape Town. But so, yeah, so, so a lot of our, our clients are going to, you know, we're going to say, what do you want? Do you want to go to Cape Town? Do you want Big Falls? Do you want a safari? Do you want a walking safari? Do you want to be in a vehicle? What do you feel safe for doing? And some people that are going to say, there's no chance you're going to have me walking around with lion and leopard and Ellie's and that kind of thing. But some people can be like, hey, that sounds cool. That's adventurous. Or some people will not want to get in a canoe and canoe down the Zambezi with hippos on your left and crocs on your right and elephants breathing down your throat. But, you know, I think you need to remember that your guide has been there 20, 30 years. He's very experienced. He does that channel every day. He does that walking safari all the time. He knows the sounds. He's not going to walk you in an area that's that's not safe, i.e. he's not going to go through thick bush because there could be a buffalo or a lion or a leopard behind the bush. He's going to take you in wide open spaces, plains, so you can see two, 300 meters either side of you. You know, And if there's, you know, if there's any chance of danger, you know, he's going to get you out of danger. And 
at the end of the day, the animals aren't there to eat humans. They're there to, they will, they will attack you if you threaten them, if they've got a baby and you get too close, if you surprise them, that kind of thing. But if you keep your distance, they keep their distance. It's generally a very safe, safe environment. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it's down to what, what you want, what you feel safe, what you're comfortable with, what kind of accommodation. Is it a luxury safari tent? Do you want to sleep under the stars? Like we often do, we, you know, we do these sleep outs and they put us in a riverbed and they give us a, a nice mosquito net and you go to sleep with the sounds of, of wildlife. But there's also some of these beautiful hideouts that are on a, a platform, you know, they're four meters in the air, which some people will feel safer with than, you know, obviously camping in a riverbed. So I think it's it's just down to, you know, tailor making your your price point. Are you traveling with kids? Are you on honeymoon? Are you, you know, is it generational travel? Are there granny and granddads on the trip? And, and you know, just saying, hey, what's your time frame? What's your budget? What do you want to do? And what are your dreams of, of that perfect trip? And, you know, tailor making that experience. I think it's also important too to, you know, kind of point out that these are not roughing it experiences. I mean, like I said, you, you, you've always have someone there. You always have someone with you. And they're just, like you said, they're tailor-made for the most comfort and safety that can possibly. Absolutely. And I, and I think it's worth mentioning that when you do, if you do decide to do a sleep out in a, you know, on a, on a platform or a riverbed, they won't let you do that unless you pay for the hotel room as well, or the, not the hotel, but the lodge room as well. Because in the event that you get to the sleep out and you're not comfortable, you need to have a backup plan. So they won't let you just book the sleep out without having a backup plan in case you're not happy in that situation. So, you know, they're very experienced. And they know exactly, you know, how these things work. And no matter how comfortable we think they think you might be, there's some people that might just panic. They may see a cockroach going, ah, you know, my God, I got to go back to my, my tent, you know. So, yeah, so it's just worth remembering that there's, you know, that they've been down this road for 30, 40, 50 years and they've had a lot of clients and they've dealt with different people and they know different situations. So, they're gonna, you know, whatever they're gonna do everything they can to make sure you leave having had the best two weeks of your life and that that one once in a lifetime trip becomes a once every year trip. Right. I love it. And I know you mentioned some of the critters. So what are some that we would we would expect to see? Or what would be the likelihood of seeing our wildlife in game on a trip? I mean, I think, you know, it, you know, if going to our part of the world, Zambia is is a lot of two of the parks, in fact, in Zambia are known as the Valley of the Leopards. In fact, South Luangwa was known as the, as the Valley of the Leopards for so long. But this the sister park just up the road there, Lozambezi, I think has overtaken it. And it doesn't mean Luangwa's got worse. It just means the Lozambezi has just got better. I mean, we saw in the last year, 14 leopards on in a space of two weeks, but we didn't just see 14. We saw them consistently. So we probably had 30 or 40 leopard sightings you know, so leopards are very, very common in Zambia. A lot of lion, a lot of cubs, a lot of wild dogs, a lot of hyena, elephants everywhere, plenty of antelope. You know, there's, there's various species. <clears throat> Pumba, the warthog, you know, incredible bird life. Um, rhino are not that common in, in Zambia, but they're very common in Malawi. So, you know, the, and again, the cheetah, which is, you know, it's a cheetah and leopard often get mistaken by Americans. I often see a, a <laughs> podcast of a leopard and be like, hey, look at the cheetah. I'm like, no, that's not a cheetah, that's a leopard. But they, they can be mistaken for each other. Leopards are a little bit shorter, a little bit stronger. Cheetahs a little bit thinner, a little bit faster. You, know, you get a lot of cheetah in Malawi, which you don't get a lot of in Zambia. You get a lot of rhino in Malawi, which you don't get a lot of in Zambia. But you get a, a lot of giraffe. Giraffe, is that how you say it? Giraffe? You get a lot of those in, 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 in Zambia. And, and I'm sure a lot of you guys are thinking, hey, I want to go to Giraffe Manor. It's like, okay, that's kind of cool. But, you know, do you want to do that? Or do you want to be on a game vehicle where you have a giraffe everywhere around you? Or do you want to be in a house which, you know, has these these animals coming close up to you. So, I mean, I, th I think it's more authentic in a sort of, in, in a wildlife environment. But again, Malawi doesn't have a lot of giraffe. It's got some, whereas Zambia has plenty. I mean, they're just everywhere. 
And you lost someone say, I must have seen over a thousand. And again, lots of leopard. So I think it's just a you know case of where you're going, how you mix things up, how you combine, you know, lake with thick falls, with you know, mountains, with whatever you know you you want on your on your experience. So and correct me if I'm wrong, but I oftentimes think because I, you know, I can look at some of these and see these huge, huge, huge game reserves. And then I'm thinking, but aren't the animals more spread out? Is it is it more advantageous to do a slightly smaller game reserve to potentially increase the sightings of more critters? So I think, you know, that's something that you're getting a lot of in South Africa. You have a lot of private, I guess, private, private reserves that are maybe like a wildlife reserve, maybe not as natural. And, you know, the animals are sometimes tagged and, you know, you know, you're going to see them because the guys are monitoring the tag. They know where the leopard is. They know where it's, you know, whereas I think you don't really get the, the sort of private concessions as such in Zambia, Malawi, there it's a much more sort of natural environment, but you still have good volume of animal. You still have good, good variety of animal. You're still guaranteed to see loads of wildlife. It's just a little bit more natural. It's not a case of the guys on his radio every five minutes rating his friend saying, hey, where's... It's more like they've actually got to use skill. They've got to stop the car. They've got to move over. They've got to look at the footprints on the road. They're going to see what direction the footprints are going in. And it's a big, it's a more like a bit of a game and a challenge than the guaranteed of, you know, hey, where, where was this tag seen or heard last? So I think it's more interesting to be in that that kind of situation where there's a bit of a challenge. And it means that the guide has to be good. The guide has to be, he listen and stop. He'll turn the vehicle off. You'll listen to the sounds of the birds. You'll know which, which birds are, you know, fake and are giving away fake alarms. You'll know which birds are giving away real alarms. And then they'll, you know, sort of use that as a skill with the, with the footprints and stuff to try and track down where, you know, where the, the cats may be. So it's quite, it's quite cool in, in that way. I absolutely love that. And it, it says a lot about the quality of the guides and the quality of the experience because this isn't just Joe Blow coming off the street. You guys have people that I know you've worked with for a number of years and have had a ton of experience with this. Absolutely. And that's one of the things about, you know, us, our team, our sales guys, they spend a lot of time in the, in the park. So often when we get a booking, you know, we'll say, okay, you're going to that park. I'm going to make sure you get, you know, that guy, Justin or, you know, Emmanuel or one of the guys we know really well. So because we have the relationship with the lodges, with the guides, and we spend a lot of time in the bush you know, we're going to make sure that our clients are, are getting the best guys and aren't going to get, you know, left with a guy who's over the hill and should have retired or a guy who's, you know, new kid on the block who's still learning. We're going to make sure you're going to have an exceptional guide because that guy can make or break your experience. Totally. Absolutely. And I know you mentioned, you know, kind of some short flights. We've mentioned, you know, getting around with some vehicles. What, you know, what is it like if we were gonna, going to combine maybe two or three of these countries like you're talking about? Would this be some flying and some driving? Like, what do you recommend? What is it like to get around? So I think, I mean, talking to the US market where, where time is more valuable than, than money most of the time, you know, often, you know, Europeans have three weeks. They're happy to do a few road transfers, you know, time, they, they've got plenty of time. Whereas the US, I guess, North American market generally, you know, they have this idea that they, they, they can't go for longer than a week. I don't know why everyone works from home these days anyway. But the US market does tend to have, you know, shorter time frames. And that does mean they want to jump on a plane before they want to get in a, in a vehicle transfer. So, I mean, most of the time with the US market, we would fly them around. They're typically smaller planes. In Zambia, you have scheduled services that are typically 10, 20 seaters between the national parks. Um, but then sometimes like pr flying to private islands or, you know, flying in between Zambia and Malawi, you, you could be on a smaller sort of a four or six seater Cessna. But yeah, I think for, you know, for the, the US market, that is generally okay with cash, just access to credit cards, just, you know, but time is sometimes a problem. You know, they want to get to places pretty quickly. They don't want to waste, you know, a day on the road and lose, you know, half their holiday traveling. 
Love it. Yes. And I know we mentioned, you know, doing the safaris, you mentioned the lake. Like what what kind of activities can we expect to do when we go visit? So, yeah, so I think that's, that's a good question. You know, if you're going to go to Victoria Falls, the Smoke the Thunders, there's so much to do there. I mean, you know, from, you know, arriving in a beautiful, you know, boutique lodge on the river, amazing food, wine, service, room, you know, just beautiful sunsets. You know, you would generally have some in-house activities included, like a sunset cruise on the river, maybe a game drive. Some of the, some of the lodges do like rhino walks. Some of them do tree planting. And then those would typically be your sort of included activities. Then you're going to have your excluded if you wanted to do, say, whitewater rafting, or you wanted to do Devil's Pool. Devil's Pool is basically this beautiful pool on the edge of Victoria Falls. So you literally swim on this pool and have your head falling over the falls, looking at the, the millions of gallons of water flowing over, knowing that, you know, if you just slipped, <laughs> but you won't. You're obviously very well trained with a guide who shows you what to do and what not to do. So there's, you know, there's lots of different activities that you can in Victoria Falls. And then, you know, it depends on, on the national park. South of the Wangwa National Park is where the walking safari was pioneered. And it's, it's typically a more of a walking and a game drive park. The river there isn't very deep, so you don't do a lot of river activities. But Lozambezi is great. You have a lot of beautiful channels. So often you're doing sort of canoeing down the channels. You can do tiger fishing on the river. You can do sunset safaris where you're having a sundown and watching the sunset and you've got elephants crossing and buffalo and, you know, throwing a fishing rod if that's what you like doing as well. So, and in the lake, you've got diving and snorkeling and canoeing. And, you know, if you want to go hiking, there's there's options to do that too. So again, it's it's all down to what is important to you. What do you want to do? What don't you want to do? You may just want to lie in and, you know, what, sit in your plunge pool and have a cocktail and watch the elephants walk past your room. So it really, really up to you what, what means, what is a holiday to you? So if we were going to go, like, I know a lot of, a lot of Americans think that they need to like mortgage the house, take out another mortgage on their house to go to go to Africa, like what kind of price ranges are we looking at for a visit? So that's a really interesting question. And, you know, it's kind of like how long is a piece of string? But that's, that is the great thing about dealing with a specialist on the ground, because whilst the prices do range from, you know, probably $500 per person per night to your, you know, certainly in, in, in Malawi, Zambia, normally not much more than $1,500 per person per night is kind of the range. But, you know, that's in your peak season. That's if you're not taking any specials in consideration. That's if you like, going, hey, I'm just going to go and pay for that trip. Now you talk to the specialist, he's going to say to you, okay, if you just move your date slightly, you get slightly out of peak season, you're probably going to get a 30% discount because you're out of peak season. Then you're going to, oh, and that lodge has a pay two, stay three, and that lodge has a pay three, stay four, and that lodge has a, then suddenly while you're doing a 16 night trip, you're probably getting four free nights because you know how to package it in a clever way. Or you package sort of, you know, you know, you have symbiosis relationships with the lodges where if you use this lodge and that lodge, you're getting a long stay discount, which then suddenly gets you 10, 20, 30, 40% discount. So it's, if you do it clever and you go through a smart advisor like Paula, of course, you know, and you've got the right partners on the ground, you know, it can be a lot less than you think it would be, you know, but obviously, you know, it, it is down to how long is a piece of string. If you say my, my dates are X, Y, and Z, I can only travel for these days. I can't go longer than we, A, you're in peak season, B, you're not going to go for long enough to get a long stay discount either. So then you're pretty much going to be set in stone for your thousand, fifteen hundred bucks per person per night. But if you're flexible, you can move dates, you go for a little bit longer, you can certainly get, you know, hugely increased value and increased activities included, you know, lots of perks along the way. I love that. And it's I love working with with people like you that are like, hey, we can tinker with this and we can do some different things, but we also have so many, many options for all types of travelers. And I absolutely love that. So Mike, yeah. burning question. Because you're you're based in Malawi. Correct, yeah. Um, How about your favorite thing, where you live, What what is your favorite thing to do? 
<laughs> Probably sit on the porch, have a glass of wine and watch the sunset. Love it. I love it. You have great sunsets? We do. We're very lucky. We've got a beautiful sunset from our garden. So yeah, it's five o'clock and you crack a bottle of bubbly or bottle of wine and, you know, watch the sunsets and, you know, contemplate what's happened and what you're going to do tomorrow. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Mike, for joining me today. And hopefully this will help move Africa up on the bucket list for some people. If you are looking for additional inspiration, please go check out Crafted Africa's Instagram, which is at Crafted Africa. And if you have any questions for Mike or myself, please feel free to reach out on Instagram or email as we both love introducing people to this beautiful part of the world. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you've enjoyed this episode of Vacation Inspiration, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review and subscribe. It only takes a few seconds and it makes a very big difference. That's all for this episode. I can't wait to see you again soon.